Uh-oh, it looks like we piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially? and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The Hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever meet them. This is not your typical mastermind. The Hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas podcast where attitude is everything. On today's show, I'm very excited to be able to have this young lady on. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And all I wanted to say today was the champ is here. The champ is here. And I, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about this lady. This lady puts in the work. I joked and said before we started recording that she would, I, I joked and I said, what title would you like? She said, I got no title. I said, you're entitled. And she looked at me like she was about to strangle me. She was about to jump through the screen and strangle me because she's like, no, I put in the work. I tell you, this is the hardest working woman in show biz. This woman is on fire like I have heard about her and honestly I got sick of her hearing about her from my wife from her friend uh, who is her best friend Sadie and Sadie's out there she's rocking with us and she's been with the podcast forever but I used to hear like I, I would do something and then I would hear about spring and then I would do something and they would hear about spring and it's like every single thing that we were talking about it was talking about how amazing and how high flying this woman was and not only in business but in her life her mentality her family I mean every aspect of it when you turn around honestly it spring just she's gonna make you feel bad about your life today because you're gonna have no excuses but to perform and go to that next level this is the owner and CEO I love when I hear those titles in front of a woman owner and CEO of Utah Life uh, Real Estate Group and not only that but she is honestly taking over there's a legend in real estate and so I am so excited to have this young lady now she's a, a, a keynote speaker she got her own uh, brand as far as uh, she got a, a new gathering called ignite if you haven't been there ladies this is one of the deepest events you'll ever go to it's in San Diego Well, the last one happened in San Diego and there's only one dude invited and I know who he is so uh, that's gonna be cool um, but I'm just a very very honored to be able to have her on the show because she embodies what this show is is which it's not about what you do it's who you are and it's about amazing people who happen to do phenomenal things but this woman happens to do more phenomenal things than I ever heard in my entire life so please welcome to the uh, show Miss Spring Benson and please don't try and spell her last name because you won't be able to it's so true well thank you for having me first of all uh, <laughs> 
you make me sound really good. So I appreciate that. I watched your hideout thing. I'm like, how do I become a part of the hideout? I know it's for guys, but um, I love what you're doing there too. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Now I got pressured. I got pressured into doing, we're doing one for women and the women one is June 2nd through the 4th. Um, And actually I'm going to force spring to be there. So ladies, (laughs) after you listen to this woman, who is honestly one of the most powerful women I've ever met in my life, um, you're going to get a chance to be able to spend some time with her. And so um, it, it's an incredible thing. So I want to I want to hop into to this spring because a lot of times I think one of the 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 sayings that makes me think of you. Yeah, is don't let the smooth taste fool you. And the reason why is because if you see this woman on social media, which if you haven't, you're not on planet Earth. Um, If you haven't seen her speak, then you're doing yourself a disservice. If you haven't experienced her in the real estate game, um, your real estate game isn't where it should be. Um, But if you if you experience you in that, you think that here's spring this, you know, this superhero that everything is working out all the time and everything's perfect. And if my life was like Springs, everything would be perfect. So I'm just going to X her out a lot of times, but please guys don't let the smooth taste fool you. Can you, let's go right to Las Vegas, 20 years old. Uh, there was, there was something that happened that, that helped you to be able to get in this mind frame. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was 20 years old. I was dating a gentleman. I'm from Utah, which we do things very young. We like to get married young and I have babies young, but I had actually just moved in with my boyfriend probably two weeks prior to this. And he came home one night and he had a boat and he kept it at Las Vegas during the winter. And he said, Hey, let's drive to Lake Mead in the middle of the night and grab the boat and bring it back to Utah. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, that is the last thing I want to do. But you know, when you're young and you're in love and you're like, yeah, I'm in, let's go. So we drove all night to, um, to Lake Mead. We launched the boat in the middle of the night and it was like a hundred degrees middle night style. So we had the air conditioner going, you know, you've lived there. And, um, the generator goes out in the middle of the night. So he says, Hey, we'll go in the morning. We'll have him check it out. And it had been in the shop to fix the generator, mind you. So in the morning we go to the gas talk. I put gas in the boat. He walks over to the um, mechanic to talk to him. And he comes back and says, Hey, they said, let's go check out what happened. Um, uh, see what's going on with the boat. So they push us off the gas dock. Now, uh, it was really hot that day. It was like 118 degrees. So right before I took the hose, Kelly and I went like this to my head and I like drenched myself and I squirted the guys on the back of the boat, just as a joke, like how I'm squirting with the hose. They push us off and, um, it's 4th of July weekend and it's just chaos. Like there's boats everywhere and the boat won't start. And, um, Corey's and he's not in a panic. He's like that cool, calm, but just like in the middle of the marina, trying not to hit boats. And the guys on the back lift up the engine compartments and they tell me, they're like, you know what, you maybe should move. Cause they're at this point, the engines were just kind of revving, but nothing was happening. So I go and I, um, take the checkbook cause this is how old I long ago was to put it back. And I walk down like three stairs cause it's a cabin cruiser. And I'm like, it smells like gas, but Corey's like, not paying attention to me. And I don't know at that time as a 20 year old, like gas fumes explode or catch fire. So I just keep on, go down the stairs and I turn, I put the checkbook away, literally like 
put it away and I hear him say fire and I turn and then right then the whole entire boat just explodes. And um, when I say explodes, I mean like the top flies off. So the girl laying out on top, she flew up and landed on her back. Um, the guys in the back of the boat fly up and land in the water. I end up um, having all of the um, seat cushions and the tables flying at me. But what happened is I ran out and I'm like, I'm burning, I'm burning. And I jump in the water and um, I swim to the gas dock and I pull myself up and I look down and my skin's just black, just hanging off me like a hot dog, you know, like when you burn a hot dog. And, um, and so I sat on that gas dock in 118 degrees mm. waiting for a life light to come. And, um, I may just remember the pain, but what you're talking about, what changed my life in that experience was about two weeks in to the burn unit. So rule of thumb is when you're burned about, you spend about one day for every percent you're burned. Mm. And my body is 85% burned. And, um, and jumping into lake water, if you guys have been boating, lake water is disgusting. It's dirty. So I jumped in lake water without any skin basically. And so I had like every infection, every, um, every infection, I got a blood disease, pneumonia. And like two weeks in, like I was in that stage of where like, they don't, they didn't think I was going to make it. And hey, spring, hey, spring, do me a yeah. favor though. Yeah. Do me a favor. Take us back to the dock. Because yeah. you just elaned me from Seinfeld. You yada yada past two weeks of being burnt to crisp, like an actual yeah. crisp. So yeah. take us to the dock. You pull yourself up. Your skin is black. It's 118 degrees outside. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what is going through your mind at this time? Are you in shock? I don't know if I was in shock. I, I was in a lot of pain. Um, I mean, there. so just to give you a visual there's three there's five people on this boat and there's three of us that are burnt to a crisp there's the girl that landed on her back she's not burnt but literally she her back was jacked I mean she walked like hunched over for months and then Corey whose boat it was who I was dating at the time he um he was just in this like complete panic do you know what I mean like his boat literally just blew up like we don't have cell phones. We don't have wallets. We have life flights. We have ambulance. Like he's trying to get all of our parents. Like it was just, it was just chaos. But what happened on the dock was, um, that I remember is that they were trying to use hoses to like wet us down. And, um, the ranger got upset because it was lake water. Right. But we'd already jumped in the lake water. I mean, we're already burnt. Um, but he made them stop because it was dirty but that was what was relieving our pain. And so they cleaned out all of the, um, all of the water bottles at the marina to just dump it on us, um, waiting for the ambulance to come to fly, to drive us over to life flight because it couldn't land. So, um, yeah, I just remember being in like probably a little bit of shock. And I also remember this is a crazy part. Kelly was a hairstylist at the time and I didn't have health insurance. So, I remember being in Life Flight and being like, telling the Life Flight, I don't have health insurance. I don't have health insurance. Will you please call my mom? But that's what was going through my head. How funny is that of all things? Like, that's what I was thinking about. Well, it was it was the next question I was going to have is because everyone talks about like, if I go through this, then I'm going to act like this. 
And when you are in it, like most of the people don't act like what they told people, you know, like single people out there with no kids, right? Yeah. They, when they see us with kids and our kids are acting up, they're like, when I have kids, my kids are going to be soldiers. That's never going to happen. I'm like, you just wait. Yeah. So was there anything petty that you were thinking like while this is going on? Because you said the, the, the health insurance part, which, you know, I, I, I'm not laughing like at it, but it's, you know, it's, it's ironic that you're doing as a woman were, did you go through that part of thinking like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, cause from a man, if we have a scar as a man, like I have one on my head and I was like, wow, I look like a warrior today. Like I hit my head on something and I'm like, yeah. it looks like I just went to war. Yeah. So, but with a woman, a scar is completely different. Did those, you know, did those things go through your mind? They actually didn't. So Kelly, I, um, I think I'm really blessed in the, well, first of all, so what starts happening is they start drugging you like immensely. And, um, so right when you hit life light, like they start putting morphine in you and then in the burn unit, they, they put you to where you're pretty much out of it. Um, but I will tell you where I think my parents did a great job is as attractive as I am as a human, all, all, all aspects, my parents didn't put a huge emphasis on my exterior, uh, looks. They just never did. So I just didn't, I know it sounds crazy to say it really didn't cross my mind until, um, I actually remember even saying my mom, I was like, I don't care what my skin looks like. Just get me out of here. Um, but I will tell you, I did go to outpatient and, um, I, they have on the pictures on the burn unit wall of the past burn survivors. And when I finally got out of the hospital, I was back home and I saw the pictures, I did start to cry. And I was like, man, if I looked like that, I don't know if I would have wanted to live. And, um, my burn counselor at the time, she was like, spring, how dare you? How dare you say that? Because we all have our shit. This is what she said. We all have our shit and this is theirs and this is yours. Some people are going to get cancer. Some people are going to have traumatic deaths. Some people are going to go through heartaches. Like this is yours. And this, how dare you say that now? Part of me saying, Hey, I wet myself down with the hose Kelly is, um, that's what saved my face. So the only part of my body that is not a big giant scar is where my swimming suit was wet um, from the hose and my hair was wet. And so my hair didn't catch fire. So my face just got a first degree and a second degree on a few pieces of it, but it was saved from me wetting myself down with the hose and me wetting the gentleman on the back of the boat with the hose got their swimming suits wet. So it didn't, when we burnt, it only singed up the partway through their leg and partway on their butt. It didn't burn any of their private parts. And so like, it's just, it's just life happening for you of the serendipity parts of like the day playing out. Like to give you an example, when my, in life light, my mom was single and she happened to um, be on a date in Las Vegas. We live in Utah. So she was on a date in Las Vegas that day. So when I got to the hospital, she was there waiting for me as a 20 year old. So just really crazy, random things that happened perfectly in that experience. But, um, so the thing that changed my life, what you're, what I was going to hit on is two weeks in, I'm going to, I'm, everybody leaves me because they have to go back to work. Like just cause I'm burned doesn't mean everybody gets to take off 
the whole time. So my boyfriend goes home. Everybody leaves. My mom. Um, wait, wait, hold did... on. Your your boyfriend left. He had to like. No, he, yeah, he no, to... no, 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 no. Just spring. You're letting him off. You're letting him I... off because every woman out there is like her boyfriend. Like I'm when we're reading the book, right? When we're yeah. reading this book that you're writing, he left. He left. Everybody he... left. Besides okay. my besides my mom. Yeah. Everybody left. And so the um because they had to go back to work, they couldn't have the time off. And so um I don't know if that's that subconsciously just put me in a spiral. Like everybody left. And um so the nurses were like, Hey, you need to call and get them back. Like she's not doing so great. And that same night, the uh lady I shared a room with in the burn unit, burn unit she passed away. She was like a little 80-year-old lady who she burned her hip in the bathtub. And um, she, like at that age, that affected her so heavily that she ended up passing away. But what happened is all the sirens go off, like like the movies, like all the sirens and the lights and all these doctors come running in. And I am just massively drugged. And I'm like, am I dying? Like, what is happening right now? And I remember asking, I'm like, am I dying? And the doctor was like, no, it's your choice. You get to choose if you live or die. And I was like, oh, like, I just remember thinking like, it's a choice. Well, I could, I want to choose. And I remember thinking like, I haven't seen who I marry. I haven't seen my kids. I haven't seen this life. Like, oh my gosh. And within a couple of days, like, oh no, what happened? I can still see you. I can still hear okay. you too. I'm like, oh no, what happened? You went away. <laughs> um, I don't know where you're at. I can't see anything, but that's okay. So, um, so ultimately, uh, I ended up within a couple of days, like my mindset, something shifted and I was on the mend. So I only spent from that 82 days I was supposed to be in the burn unit. I only spent 30, um, days in the burn unit and I was out within a month. So power so of the what- mind. Is well, crazy. And the the power of that mind, right? So when you get out, what's the what's the first thing that you do? Like because when, a lot of again, a lot of times in success stories, we hear the yada yada. We don't hear the down and dirty. We don't hear the like I got out. I was you know I, I had this mindset and then I hit a wall and I had to move through that thing. What was the first challenge that you dealt with once you got out of the burn unit? You have this new mentality, or did it just turn into rainbows and butterflies from that point, and then you became yeah. a superhero? Yeah, I don't even think I became a rainbows and butterflies at that point. Like, I don't, I think I was too young to even understand what happened. Like, well, power of the mind, I got out of the hospital. Like, that's not even like, didn't even cross my mind until now me knowing. Um, So I got out of the hospital. My skin was Barney purple. I weighed probably 80 pounds because your metabolism kicks into high drive trying to like fight, right? Um, and so I wore pressure garments for a year, um, which are these really tight, like com- their compression, they're made for you that you like cover. And so my whole body was a compression garment. Um, I didn't wear shoes for the longest time because my feet were so burnt. I couldn't drive. Um, I mean, life was interesting. And then to top it off, like, I think I got out of the burn unit in August and, um, the boyfriend at the time, which I did end up marrying him later on. But uh, we ended up breaking up. So then I went through this like breakup and having to move out. And I didn't have a job because I was cutting hair at the time. Like it was just, it wasn't 
all perfect, right? Um, it probably took me about nine months to get back into the swing of life um, and get back into uh, everything. But what I will tell you, the best blessing that happened was dating somebody at that time who wasn't affected, meaning he didn't get burned. He His boat got replaced by insurance money. And um, so he was back into boating like that summer. And so it made me have to um, me have to either be like, I want to go or I'm going to sit back. And it, my parents were super bad. Now, like re- retrospect, seeing like from a parent standpoint, you would be upset too. Um, but what ended up happening was I just wore my pressure garments and covered up and I'd get on that boat. I'd make them uh, start it and then pick me up. Like I would never be on it when it started or when we doctor launched, but it actually put me back in just back in the saddle quick enough that Mm -hmm. I, um, that I still, like, I love to boat still. I just know it's a fluke accident and I wasn't able just to sit around and not do anything. Like they didn't enable me to be a victim basically. So it was a blessing in disguise. So where, where did that part come from? I mean, did it, was this uh, established very early on uh, from, from childhood, from your parents, where they, w- you know, where they wouldn't allow you to quit in a thing, that you would have to go through it again? Or was this something that you developed on your own? I think it was probably both. Like, I was raised by a single mom um, that she got remarried when I was eight. And he, uh, he was probably one of the biggest blessings I had in my life because – they say your your belief systems form from one to seven, but reinforced from seven to 14, right, of who you become. And it was during those crucial ages of like just in, ingraining like grit and self-esteem and you can have anything you want and like really showing up of like of a higher caliber of, of who I could. So I think it's partially both. I think my parents did a really great job of like you can be anything, you can have anything, you can – you can do whatever you want. And then I also think some of it comes from environment. I think who you surround yourself with is absolutely crucial. And I'm fortunate enough that at the time he was a bonehead, like, but yeah, also like such a blessing that, um, that he literally was like, we're back in the saddle. Here we go. And I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, um, where if, if he would have had a different mentality and whatnot, it probably would have affected me differently. So I mean, so- Spring, help me, help me with this though. I got a 13 year old daughter. Okay. And so your parents, they, they raised you and anything's possible. You can go after it. You had a single mom, you saw strength in her, all these things. How do I get my daughter to avoid the bonehead? Because I, I tell you like I, I, and I got it. We got, we got logged. I mean, hundreds of interviews and we have hundreds of women, powerful women in places. But when we go back, most of them date boneheads. How can I stop this from happening with my daughter? You don't. And you know what? Um, Corey is fantastic. So when I say he's a bonehead, I mean, he just was like, he was young and just, he loved boating and he got an insurance check and he bought a new boat. Right. But I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, um, I don't know that you do. I think you have to teach your daughter just enough to have the self-esteem to know her boundaries, right? And know what she's willing to accept and know her value. But there is going to be that person who (laughs) is attractive and shiny and you just sometimes have to be okay with it. 
Well, you know? I look I look at you and Sadie. I look at my wife, Brooklyn. I look at you guys' group, and all of you are very attractive women, all super intelligent. But I could tell you I would have not chose the boys that you chose early on because I've been yeah. around for a while. And, yeah. and when I look at it, I'm like, wait a second. Do you guys not understand who you are? And then yeah. I'm like, how could I – now that I got a daughter, I'm like – I spring I need like a DVD set or DVD is old I'm old maybe I'll go back to a track but I'm saying like I need a master class on how to impart stuff into my daughter so she'll stay away from that dude like you know what I'm saying because that dude who I've seen and you're 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 being you know again like I I know you guys group like and I've been around and I'm like how does this dude get in you know what I'm saying like how does this dude hang around and I'm yeah. not just talking about you. I'm talking about my, my, my wife. I was just talking about this. So yeah. what are some practical things? This is just for the dads. Like the ladies, they're yeah. going to keep listening to you. Give this to the dads from a woman's perspective. What can a dad do to circumvent? Well, I think the dad has to just have real conversations with the daughter, right? And and I'm being serious. Like you are like that, that love and respect from a male figure, especially one that they appreciate, um, goes so far, right? So you having real conversations, you like having the conversations of this, even this, like, Hey, you're worth more or yeah, they might be fun, but is this who you would choose for your spouse or the father of your children? Or, Hey, um, you are, I think Kelly, you're like the epitome of high vibe, um, fun, uh, growth mindset. So even just like the one thing I had a client tell me one time that stuck out that nobody had ever said to me is he's like, Hey, spring, the number one decision you're going to make in life is who you marry the number one decision. And I was like, Oh, it's so true. Because that, that relationship, if you look at like the chart, um, somebody posted this and I reposted it not too long ago, but like who you spend your time with as you grow older, right? And like you as an adult right now, your children, you're spending uh, 80% of the time you'll spend with them in their life is before they're 18. It's sad to think like once they're out of your home, you see them 20% the rest of their lives. Insane, right? Um, But as you grow older, who your peer group becomes is spouse as well as who you work with the work relationships, that's who you spend the most time with. So getting really purposeful around what is that that you want um, and who, and that they deserve more. And I think that you being just that dad of being like, you deserve this um, will go a long ways. I know that I personally didn't, I had that as like from a teenager, but as I got into the dating stages, that didn't exist in my world to have those real conversations. Right. So how did, how did it impact you? You know, how did it impact you as far as like your, like not growing up with your, your, your dad, your biological dad, um, yeah. or if, if any, um, you know, on it, uh, but how did that, how did that impact you? So my biological dad's around my parents, um, my parents got divorced when I was one, my parents got married really young and had children and it just didn't work out. And so I didn't know any different. Okay. Um, and so mom being a single mom, she wasn't poverty or she didn't have my dad's support or whatever. We just didn't live with him. And then, um, when she got remarried, like I said, my whole life changed. Um, they got divorced when I was in junior high at the time. I didn't think it affected me at all. Now looking at it, I'm like, 
I don't know that it necessarily affected me, but that relationship was so crucial of who I was becoming that it would have been interesting to see if I would have, if he would have stayed from that 14, because your daughter's 13 or 14 right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like you disappearing right now. Like, again, at the time I didn't like put a lot of value on it because I was a typical teenager and it was my mom. And, but now looking at it as an adult, I'm like, man, I wonder how different my life would have been if I would have had that strong male figure from that age on because they they went through a nasty divorce where they just had to be like we're done with each other you know so fun fact i've actually never talked to him again since they got a divorce which i'm like 41 years old and while this person pretty much was a key foundation of who i am and i've never had a conversation with him again wow it's crazy I probably need to find him actually now that we're having this conversation and be like, actually we're bringing him in. He's in the waiting room right now. We're going to bring him onto the podcast, but seriously though, spring, if he was here right now, what would you say to him? You know, I would uh, just thank him. Like I, um, like I said, those, so we like, you're familiar, you're from Utah. So we lived in Magna and nothing wrong with Magna. Um, but when they got married, we moved up to Big Cottonwood Canyon. My whole life just shifted of who I became in that um, different environments and standards. Your life's a correlation of your standards, right? Different um, expectations. And so uh, I'm just super thankful. Like he, uh, he invested a lot of time into who I was and um, played a really crucial role. And I'm uber grateful for it. So, so you're talking about your stepfather right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about your biological dad? If I brought your biological dad in right now, have you talked to him? Uh, yeah, I talk to him like once or twice a year. Um, okay. He's great. What does I, he not hear enough from you? I probably just need to reach out to him in general. Like, I think um, our relationship is is there, but it's not great. And it, and it comes from like, I need to make more of an effort. And so does he, you know, as a child where you're like, well, they're not making an effort towards me and I'm an adult now. So I should, I should make the effort. Um, we just, we have such different worlds. And then without having that relationship, it's almost like he's a stranger, even though it's like my dad, you know? And so, um, I just need to make an effort because he's a great guy. Um, I just haven't made the effort, Kelly, to be really transparent with you. So, well, I always want you to be transparent. So if you weren't, then I was going to call you the table on that. I told you I was going to give you a hard time. Um, (laughs) But I want to know, too, at 13 years old, I want to go to that place. You're, you know, you've got this father figure who, you know, in your life and, and then it goes away. And a lot of times, 13, 14 year old girls, there's misplaced anger or whatever it is. And we're having such a good time in our lives with our friends, all the stuff. We act like it doesn't impact us. Um, what impact positively and negatively when you look back at it now, do you see? And the reason why I say it is because almost every single high performing woman that I, that I come in contact with at some point saw a single mom around her that she had to do for herself and she had to do those kind of things. Right. Yeah. So, um, so you guys are not familiar with Utah. Magna is like probably one of the lowest (laughs) income areas. He's laughing. And Big Cottonwood Canyon is like the highest income. So my mom, when she got married, signed a prenuptial agreement. And so um, when they got a divorce, uh, we moved and moved into a town home and like, no shame in any of it. Like my mom was actually uh, successful for a female at that time. 
But what it taught me, Kelly, to answer your question was um, to never rely on a man, mm -hmm. which I don't believe is uh, a positive thing. I think it served me well. Um, it served me well because I'm partially who I am today. Like I've never relied on anybody for anything. But I also think it's made me very heavy in the masculine energy a, a lot where um, I would like to rely on somebody. And I do have a husband actually who's fantastic that if today I said, hey, I want to quit working, like life would be fine, you know. Um, so it's not what I choose to do. But it did set me up from a very young age of like, I don't rely on a man. I also um, at that age saw her heartbroken. Hmm. And so I think it put me into a space of um, almost like a protector. I mean, I remember cleaning out my savings account. I had savings bonds. Did your grandparents ever buy you savings bonds? For, for <laughs> in in Tooele and Grantsville, the savings bonds weren't, weren't the number one thing. So guess what? It was my grandma <laughs> from Tooele. You know, my family's from Tooele. Um, We're cousins. So We're cousins, Spring. Cousins. I bet you. I bet you we are. Yeah. So my, my parents are actually from Tooele and that's why I lived in Magnus because my dad lived in Tooele. He still does. So to answer your question too about connection, we just haven't grown. But back up to this, um, they gave me savings bonds. So I remember cleaning out, I had a, um, she had a safety deposit box. My grandma did at the Tooele Federal Credit Union. And um, I went and cleaned it all out when I was like 16, 17. And I bought my mom Christmas because I felt so horrible that like, here we are, we went from like normal life to all of a sudden my brother had graduated high school, was in college, and it was just her and I, and her life had changed so much. Um, so I would just say, going back to that stage of just never relying on a guy and then going into that, like, I'll figure it out mode, you know? How did it impact you? Because in a second marriage, um, how did it impact you in, in relationships? Because I think a lot of times super powerful women, um, a lot of times attract uh, attract a guy who or, 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 or repel a guy who yeah. doesn't have a ton of self-confidence. They see it and they're like, oh, wow. Or there's the opposite side of it. They see yeah. it and they want it. And then once they get it, the guy, then they want to squelch everything that the woman has as far as power because they're afraid that they're going to get somebody else with it. Yeah. So I married like the best guy ever. Um, so the reason I was attracted to him was because he intimidated me. So mm -hmm. his... I remember calling Sadie and she's like, what? Cause we are like water and wine. We'll call each other water and wine. Like I'll go to dinner. I'll drink some wine. He'll drink water. He's like, he's just, uh, we are just polar opposites in a lot of ways, but, um, he was just uber confident and had his own world. Like he's a crazy entrepreneur and the beautiful part, I will tell you, Kelly, like the spring that Brian married is not the spring he's married to today. But I believe who I am today is a reflection of our relationship because he's let me be me. Mm. Like he's let me go and create and have fun and um, do whatever I want. And when I say that in terms of like, hey, I'm going to go put on an Ignite event. Okay, cool. What can I do to support you? Or, hey, I'm going to go, by the way, I just bought this building. Okay, cool. Great. What are you going to do with it? Like he 100% will let me be me. And so... Um, but that also came Kelly with like, I've done a lot of personal development. I probably have vested more than seven figures in me 
in spring over the last probably five to eight years. And so uh, that's come from me understanding what I need as a person as well and attracting the right partner. So do you think that with all the personal development part of it, do you think a person has it or can you develop it? Oh, you can develop it. It just, it's what I always tell everybody, I can't teach you grit, but I can teach. But if you have the grit and the self-desire, you can teach, you can learn anything you want. Uh, I mean, I'm a prime example. I'm uh, raised by a single mom, uh, lived in Magna and then grew up, then went, got burned, went through a divorce, like messy, two kids. Now I'm remarried with like, I have five different businesses in the real estate space that are all super successful. I'm having fun. Like you can have it all, but it does take you a having a really clear vision of what you want and then putting in the work of yourself to go create it. So let's start off in your in in your real estate career. And the reason why I don't start off with this stuff is because I want people to understand, like the reason I had you on the podcast is it has nothing to do with the money that you make or the things that you do. Nothing. It has to do with the person that you are. And so when you started off, like you start off in the real estate, a lot of times people see you in the real estate game now, or they see you in the coaching space now, or they see you with Ignite, who if you haven't been to the event, honestly, my wife got a chance to go for one day. She was like, this is the deepest, like she said, this is the deepest, the fastest that I've ever seen people go. Um, And if you haven't experienced it, you need to go to it. And it's not even a question. It's just sign up and go. Um, But a lot of times people see that part and then they're like, oh, wow, I want that. Can you tell them what that consists of, though? Which part? Um, <laughs> Let's start with the real estate part. I mean, because you didn't just jump out the gate. I know you sold your first house in like three months, first uh, property in like three months. Am I correct? Like from, uh, from when you became. Yeah, no, what happened. So, Kelly, you'll laugh at this story. So I got married. We moved uh, an hour away from the salon. Okay, so I went to hair school in high school and um, moved an hour away from the salon. So I condensed all my days. I was like, I'm working part time, 14 hour days so I could just not have to drive down every day. And um, we were at dinner one night and this woman that as a mutual acquaintance that worked for a land developer, similar to where you live now, not live now, but your place in Utah. And she said, uh, the girl in my real estate office just quit. We're hiring somebody. And my husband goes... Spring would be perfect for that job. And mind you, I started real estate school like a year before and never finished. And I just am like kicking him under the table. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, you would be great. And she goes, so do you want to interview? And I'm like, sure, you know. And um, long story short, I end up, they give me the job and it's working for a developer, have the golf course and the lake and all of that. And I quit the salon. I tell all my clientele that I'm, um, I'm going to sell real estate. And then I end up um, uh, getting a call from the woman and she goes, Spring, I have some bad news. The developer doesn't want to hire you. You're too young. He doesn't think you're going to relate to his clientele. And so I am like, okay, well, I literally just told everybody I've quit. So I'm like, well, what are my options? She goes, well, why don't you just come in and uh, we'll just see how it goes. So I shadowed for three months 
no hyperbole. I sat in the back of the car. I didn't say a word. I sat at the desk. I do our paperwork. And then one day I answered the phone from an out-of-state client and I just, I'd heard what she said a thousand times. And so I ended up uh, selling my first house over the phone and just on a fluke. And then they gave me the opportunity. So um, from there, Kelly, yes, I did have a flourishing career. Uh, but it wasn't, it was a flourishing career because they had standards and I had to show up and I had to treat it like a real job. So many people get into real estate and think that it's going to be part-time and they get to pick their own schedule. And, um, that is not how it worked. And I'm so grateful for the environment that I got in because it taught me how to actually do it. But, um, I thought I was going to be a mom, work part-time, work on a golf course, go skiing, make some extra money for my household. And then I got my first $10,000 check. And I only tell you this because cutting hair, you know, you get like cash and you get uh, here or there and you're spending money. Well, I'd never had $10,000 in my own bank account ever of my money. And I was like, this is amazing. So that's what happened is I just got uber addicted. And I'm like, how do I, how do I create this? And what do I do? So I worked, I mean, I hustled and I still do, but, um, a lot of people do see that. I mean, I remember our friends would go boating and I would be in an open house. And then when the open house would be over, I'd go in my little work clothes and say hi to everybody. Like there's sacrifices to get where you want to go. And it looks really glamorous, but it has not always been glamorous. So <laughs> I want to, I want to jump to something. Uh, you, I heard you talk about it at one point. It was a, a $50 million plan and a hundred million dollar plan. And it, it was amazing because the way that you talked about it was like going to get groceries. And I, th I just think that it's so cool because once you, like my, my, my pops always said, he said the difference between people who are good, great, and then the best, there's only one difference between all of them. And it's just focus. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that focus and talk about the hundred million dollar plan? Cause I mean, like when I heard this part of it at first, I was like, what? And then it, it was amazing because I think that just like, you know, that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And you are so consistent in your life. Break this down for him. Yeah. So, um, I have a wealth coach and I have a coach, uh, back to childhood, Kelly. So, uh, my mom was very successful, uh, even though she was a single mom, she was very successful actually, but she now is in her sixties and does well, but she doesn't have, like, she has to sell a home in order to survive. Right. And I have, I'm using her life lessons to teach me of saying, Hey, I don't want to have to be that person. Like I'm making significant income right now. I don't want to be that person when I'm in my sixties or seventies that has to work because I didn't plan today. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's an underlying, like we talk about the six human needs, right? Um, the certainty around my amount around money is just, um, it is just part of it who I am. So I hired a wealth coach probably three or four years ago. And in order to be in his mastermind, you had to create a 50 or a hundred million dollar wealth plan. And he walks you through how to do it. But basically it's you putting down on paper. So first of all, you need to know all of your expenses, which I know sounds very elementary, but most people don't make, don't even know how much money they're spending on a monthly basis. Right. And then from there, you're supposed to map out how over 30 years 
you're going to create this wealth plan. And uh, Kelly, I'm happy to share it with you too, because I use it with my financial advisor. I'm sure you have something similar, but it's basically each year, what you need to do to stay on path that at the end of the 30 years that you have, whatever that is, if you want 50 million or a hundred million, and it's honestly not that difficult. That's the crazy part about it. Like when you actually look at like, okay, I've got to buy two houses this year and maybe next year it's two and then invest in this in the market. And the next year it's two or three or whatever. Um, and you guys have to remember I'm in the real estate space. So when I talk about buying a house, um, that's what we do. Right. Um, but my point of this is, is people, the reason people are not wealthy is because they fail to plan for it. Most people spend more time planning their vacations than they do planning their life. Like they let their life become a product of, of circumstance instead of it being, hey, I'm going to go create what I want. And it's the same with their wealth. Most people don't plan their wealth. They're planning, um, again, their next vacation or what they're going to spend it on. Where if you got really uh, systematic and I said, hey, Kelly, in 30 years, you're going to be seven years old. And you could have a hundred million dollars in the bank, but you have to follow these few simple things. And that's, that's the reality. So um, it's actually really fun and it's fun to go through and create. And it's uh it's a challenge and I, I enjoy it. So. So what gets you up in the morning that doesn't have any ROI to it? Uh, you mean everything has an ROI, but what I'm, I'm saying like this, I'm saying like this, like I, I love me some bowling and I am never going to go pro. I'm probably not going to get sponsored. I will own a bowling alley at some point to my wife's chagrin because she's going to be so mad when I own this nasty and I ain't going to have a good one. I'm going to have a dirty down home and I'm going to invite everybody out there listed. I'm going to invite you. Your first game is on me. And I want to be, I want to have a dirty, nasty, I mean, and because I like to bowl. And yeah. it will not make money, I promise you. My wife will be mad at me because I have it, but my son will think I'm the coolest guy in the world because I have this old, rickety, greasy, down-home bowling alley. It's just what I love to do because I love to do it. What do you love to do that brings you absolutely no return except joy in your heart? You know what? So my... Um... I love to work out, which sounds cliche, but that's like, if somebody knows spring, like that's my Okay. Jam. I'm going to challenge you on this. I'm going to challenge you. Can I challenge you? Yeah. Okay. Challenge. Every one of my friends that says they love to work out. Let me ask you this. If you got fatter every time you worked out, would you still work out? Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Then you like, okay. Then spring, you like the results of working out. Let's go on to something that gives you no results that you just love and just makes you just that little girl inside is jumping up and down. You know what? To be like, if it, if I got like, <laughs> there's a deal though. I do love how I feel. Like I love okay. the feeling. Of so so I'll, I'll go to this one. I'll go to this one. Okay. If you got fatter and didn't feel good after, after working out, Okay. So it's not the working out that you love. It's, it's the result of it. So it's like, I asked a woman the other day, I said, what's your, like, what's your joyous thing? She was like reading a book and taking a bath. I was like, at five years old, you didn't think that. Like at five years old, you were mad because you had to take a bath. Yeah. At five years old, you didn't want to read no damn book. My, yeah. <laughs> like what, what does spring do? Like what does spring do that you want to almost hide from the world a little bit and you're not going to post it on social media, but you just go and do it. Like, I love me some ice cream sandwiches. Ice cream sandwiches, carnation, they have a little crisp on the outside. They make me fatter, and yeah. it's bad for me, but I like it. 
and I will sneak some. I'll eat like four of them when my wife thinks I'll eat one. That's so funny. Let us in, Spring. Let us in. Let us behind the door, Spring. Kelly, that's a really trick question because I don't know that I have something that I'm like, oh my gosh. Like if I get springtime, I'm usually like in silence. Like, so I'll tell you this. I hiked um, 29029 Jesse Itzler's event, right? Yeah. Um, it uh, It's equivalent of Everest. I didn't listen to one piece of music. I didn't listen to any podcast. I didn't talk to anybody other than like, hey, what's up? If you passed him or hey, great job. Like I was in silence the whole time. So if you catch spring like on our own, I'm usually just either like I'm literally in quietness by myself, which is so weird. I don't let's, have a weird let's go, like, But let's go to five-year-old little spring. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like five-year-old little spring <laughs> that was like, I, I mean, my, do- my daughter said that she, at five years old, she wanted to be a dog fashion designer. Like yeah. we, we would just be like, you know, everyone would be like, oh, my daughter wants to be a doctor, a lawyer. She was like, I'm going to be a dog fashion designer. And she, but. Well, like, look at her parents, Kelly. Yeah. You guys, you guys are all about some fashion. <laughs> so, hey, but but help, help me with this. Let's go back to little five-year-old spring. What was the things that made little five-year-old spring like jump for joy? Jeez. I mean, I loved my, I loved friends. Like I loved being with people, um, which is so funny because I literally told you I like to be by myself, but it's probably because I have so, by the time if I get quietness at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Um, but I don't know, five-year-old spring, Kelly, that's a long time ago of what Girl, it ain't that long ago. You're only 40. True. But I don't know, like, um, these are some deep questions of, Hey, if I didn't get any reward out of it, I mean, right now, some of the stuff I'm doing, even, um, business wise, there's no reward other than I feel fulfilled. I love helping people grow. I love creating that environment. Um, of seeing them succeed and there's no ROI to it. Right. There's, but there's a long game. I'm going to challenge you on this because there's a long game with this spring and I see it. There's yeah. a long game with it and you're building it and you're building this thing. And, and obviously you're pouring into people, but there's a, there's a ROI on it. What I mean is, is, is just like what really brings absolute crazy joy, like joy inside that, that makes spring. Like I started when you started, I don't know if I want you, I want you to go back and I want you to watch this podcast because okay. when I asked you that question and you went yeah. like this, you went like this spring. I don't know if you can see me, but you went like this and then you started to smile to yourself. And when you smiled to yourself, you were thinking about five-year-old spring. And then you were like, but I need to go back to business spring real quick. Yeah. Five-year-old well, you know spring. You know what I was picturing five, five-year-old spring, what I was just laughing about, is I remember wearing these god-awful, uh, uh, almost tie-dyed zebra, like spandexy clothes, like hanging out with my friends on the swing set, had a broken arm. But if you're asking, like, what brought me joy, like, that was what made me laugh. I was like, oh, God, I remember, like... I remember like parts of being five-year-old spring, but like, Hey, what brought me joy? What I wanted to be? I don't know. But I do remember feeling like I was the biggest fashion diva back then. And like, um, just life was great. But in terms of, Hey, I want to own a bowling alley and get no <laughs> nothing for it. Like I'm, just, I'm I, giving you a hard brain, time. Brain has not gone there. Like, what do I love to do? I love to, uh, I like to, be in quiet. I love to exercise. I love to push myself. I love helping other people, but you're right. At the end of the day, there's, there's a reward, but the reward comes from a need being met and they all meet different mm-hmm. needs. 
Um, okay. And uh, again, I'm, I'm still I'm still calling shenanigans on you because we're still going to parent spring. We're still going to adult spring. We're still going to. And so the, the reason why I say it, too, is because I think a lot of times as as human beings and this is where I want to I want to ask you, too, is like. A person that's as successful as you in your profession, I, I'm not, you're not only successful in your profession, but you're successful in your life, but let's go to your profession. How much do you have to protect spring? Because you have to protect yourself from people. Yeah. I know this because you can't just hang out with anybody and you don't just hang out with anybody. I know this. Yeah. So you have to protect yourself, but sometimes that protection point becomes, an, sometimes it can become an isolation. Am I correct? One billion percent. Like you were on the same wavelength of this of over time. Like I probably don't even really listen to a lot of music right now just because of like again, you're protecting your brain. Like Hold I on, don't... hold on. You don't girl, girl, we need to we need to get some NWA in, uh, up in your uh your sphere. I'm just saying like in this I just don't usually like um but I also don't like if I'm listening to something, I'm usually listening to a podcast or something. But my point okay. is I don't a lot of TV. No. Um, like my friend circle is pretty small at this point. Um, you're right. Like you end up, but it's also, it's a protection, but it's also, there's a component of it, of where do you want to spend your time too? When you start getting into that space, you're like, something's just no longer serve you. Right. Some of the conversations, Kelly, I'm not good at like a surface level conversation and, uh, I can handle it for a minute, but like the, like dialogue of, um, of surface just doesn't work for me long term. So I am isolated quite a bit. And it is a weird, like when I look at it, I'm like, man, do I really have any friends? Um, which I do have friends and I actually have a great tribe. But to your point, it is it is very isolating sometimes. It so what are, what are the components? Like what are the components for you that you look for to be able to allow someone in? Because say I have a, a friend named Buddy. And if Buddy, if you're watching, you, you actually need to meet Buddy. This guy is absolutely incredible. He's in the real estate space also. He helps to create financial freedom for veterans. Um, And he does this. It's called White Feather. You guys need to connect and I'll connect the two of you. I would not connect you with Buddy unless I knew who Spring was. Because Buddy and and the the flip-flop, like I would never introduce you, Spring, to anyone like that wouldn't be in that realm of what I know spring to be. Like I wouldn't just bring the random passerby because there can be a person that's going to want to take advantage of a relationship with you. Right. And I'm not talking about, you know, intimately, I'm just talking about like, you're a very successful woman. A lot of times people come in on the take. So what are you looking for or what are some of your kind of prerequisites to allow someone to be able to spend time in spring's sphere? So I'll give anybody the opportunity if they're coming in from like somebody in my world, right? Um, already, but to stay in my world, you just have to be high vibe and growth mindset. Like I, I don't care what you do for work. I don't care like any of that level. I just don't want to talk about other people. Like I want to talk about having some ideas or different things or having a fun adventure or if we're gonna go do stuff like. I don't want it to be like, Hey, everybody's just going to get wasted. That's what we do. Like, that's not maybe, maybe when I was 20, let's go get drunk or 21. But at this point it's like, okay, cool. Like that's not my idea of fun anymore. Right. And so, um, my world is a little bit small, but in itself inflicted to your point, but I really just want to hang around people who want more for themselves and that we can have a quality conversation and elevate each other. Um, that's what I'm looking for. In fact, 
your hideout, um, I created a women's group called the Harmony Tribe because I don't believe in um, that we can have balance, but I do believe you can have harmony, right? And, um, and I also feel like as women, we oftentimes choose our friends by who we work with, or maybe they're our spouses, uh, their friends, significant other, or friends of our children's parents, right? Like a lot of times the relationships as an adult are by, um, are not from being purposeful. And so the Harmony Tribe was really designed for that, Kelly, because I was like, man, I do want to have a great girl group of friends that want to level up and have um, quality conversations and travel and create and all those things. And so I would just say people are just high minded. If you want to be my world, I want to be around people who are just happy and high minded and that are excited about life and want to do some cool stuff together. So how are you when you're when you're as high flying as you are and you're your high performance and everything? I mean, I can see your guns through your uh, shirt right now. Um, and if you're watching right now, you can see Spring's shoulders, too. And, and you know, I ain't going to I ain't, the only reason why I'm talking this much garbage to her is because I'm on the other end of a, a, a video, uh, because if I was in, she would probably give me a headlock and knock me out. Um, it's, it's all that working out that I find joy in. That's, no, you don't find any joy in that girl. If you got fatter, you wouldn't do it. And you know this. <laughs> I'm just I'm giving you a hard time. But I'm saying, like, when you're as high performance as you are, yeah. how do you give yourself grace? Mm. I'm really good at giving myself grace, actually. Um, How'd you learn it? And how you know, does one do it? Because I find the, the, the place where most people will never give grace, they give it to their family, they give it to their boy, girl, ladies, you give way too much grace to bonehead boys. But uh, that's, I'm speaking to the ladies out there. But I'm saying like, most people have such a challenge giving themselves grace. They could give it to everybody else. Yeah. Construct this for us. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. So, um, probably eight years ago, I attended my first Tony Robbins event. And one of the messages he really hits on is life is happening for you. And that just hit me like massively of, wow, like it really is happening for you, not to you. If you choose to look at the blessings and all things. So I adopted that, that the other thing is that probably, um, five or six years ago, I read a book, uh, surrender experience experience. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about, um, and this was an academy of where if your brain, you talking to yourself was your best friend having this conversation in the car and was like, you suck, or this was horrible, or, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Or, oh, you're getting fat or whatever. Would that be your best friend? And the answer is no, you wouldn't let your best friend talk to you that way. So why would you talk to yourself that way? Right? So it made me start being very aware of my self-talk to myself of like, what am I saying to myself? Because you have the same thoughts, the same 80, 60 to 80,000 automatic thoughts a day. So starting to realize how you can reprogram that. But in the terms of the grace, Kelly, to answer your question, those are two parts, but the grace component is this. I always just, uh, I had somebody say this to me one time when I was like, I'm afraid to do this. And he said, you know what, Spring, know your audience. Like, he's like, somebody needs to hear what you have to say. Or he's like, I might not be your audience. I'm not going to come to your event. I'm not going to do this. But somebody needs it. And so you know that you're providing value to that person. And so I've always taken that of like, you're right. Like, I might not be for everybody. 
but at least I'm putting myself out there to try. So when I have an experience or something that I'm like, oh, that didn't feel so good, or I've had a few, um, I've been on stage a lot this year, and I've had some that I've been like, oh my gosh, you get off and you're like, I feel amazing. That was so good. And then there's been a few that I've been like, internally, I'm like, hey, that didn't feel so great. And, um, but I also just give myself the grace. Like I take the time for the inner, inner uh, reflection of why didn't it feel great? So I can replay that and get better. But then I also give myself the grace. I'm like, at least I tried because there's thousands of people in this audience that didn't get up here on stage. So you've got to at least give yourself that grace. And so that's why I look at on everything. At least I tried, at least I'm putting myself in the, in the arena, at least I'm putting myself out there. And, um, it's not always going to be perfect, but at least, and I still have Kelly, some days I'll read the Facebook comments and I'm like, don't read your own Facebook comments sometimes. Like, (laughs) do do you, do you run any ads? Like, (laughs) Uh, I have had some, I've had read some of the stuff on these ads and I'm like, man, people are brutal. Um, and I'm like, well, at least I'm just putting it out there and it is what it is. But. So when, uh, when was the, when was the last dark time for you? Because uh, being a, you know, uh, a high energy growth mindset, stuff like that. And you are that for so many people. Um, When's the last time that, that maybe you, you experienced a valley and who did you allow to experience it with you? You know, I don't feel like I've had a valley for a while. Um, I mean, I'll have, so. And when I say a valley, like, you know, a, a valley for spring. Right. So this could mean now there's I, I, one of my buddies, right. I'll put it in context. One of my buddies, his name is Darren. Darren, if you're listening, you know who you are. I won't say your last name. Darren shows up. I see him and he's like, oh man, I had a rough day. And I was like, what happened? He was like, man, I was driving the 750 and the tire blew out. So my assistant had to come and bring me my A8 so I could, so they could uh, stay with the car to be able to take it to the shop. And then I drove the AA here, but I'm going to have to drive over and get my other car. And I was yeah. like, so wait a second, Darren, did you have a bad day or a Darren bad day? And, <laughs> but to him, that was a bad, it was a valley. Mm-hmm. Spring, you are not jumping from mountaintop to mountaintop. When is the last spring yeah. valley then? Let's call it spring, spring valley. That's funny. When is the last spring valley? And, and who do you share it with? Who do you allow into that, that darkness? You know, I, I'll have them sometimes of maybe a self doubt will come in or, um, or even just, uh, when you are putting yourself out there. So a couple of things I'll do is I'm really heavy into breath work. Have you ever done it? Have you ever tried uh, like square breathing and stuff like that? Like the box or whatever, you know, all those things. Well, like really like a, uh, guided breath work session oh, yeah. where like, it's actually Brooklyn did it with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, um, we, have, we have a dude. His name is uh, Trevor. Trevor yeah. does some breath work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll do that if I'm in a funk, if I need to release some energy. And okay. I'll do that quite a, I'm actually doing it today, tonight, and not because I'm in a funk, but I need to get some clarity around some stuff. But to your point of if I have a, if I have a day that I'm like, whoa, which I had one a couple weeks ago, I usually go to my husband which probably maybe isn't the best, but he, he's, he's fantastic in just letting me be, but he also, 
I, if I'm having a day, Kelly, I usually don't go to outside sources. I do have a couple of trusted coaches mm -hmm. that I'll go to and have that conversation. And here's the reason why is because people see life through their own lens and their own perspective. And I don't necessarily, if I'm having a day, I want somebody to ask me questions or just, or just be positive energy. And I don't want it to feed into anything more than it was just the day or the moment, right? So I'm pretty protected on that kind of stuff. Like I don't go out and share the the negative, not because I can't. Like I literally actually just had a text come through from one of these trusted coaches. He said, how are you feeling today? Because I... Um, because I was having a day and I'm like, I'm super frustrated. So to answer your question, it's either my husband or I have a couple of coaches and I really go to breath work for, for when I need to figure something out or release that energy. And it works every single time. So when someone sees the superhero like you and says like, when could she ever have any insecurity or, you know, maybe some self doubt, can you let us into that part? Because from the outside, again, it's like, I mean, you ain't got no self-doubt. Like, you're a beautiful woman. You're in great shape. You got a great career. You got a great husband. You got five kids, which is uh, a low number for Utah. Um, you know, you, you, you're, you're rolling. How could you ever have self-doubt? Can you paint the picture for us? Because I think that more people are inspired, and I found this, more people are inspired by seeing us in the challenging parts than they are ever for our triumphs. Yeah. So, I mean, I have self-doubt quite often. I call it the imposter syndrome, right? Of that, like, oh shit, can I do this? But I mean, one that was recent only because you brought it up is in the past was Ignite. I have wanted to do a woman's event. Uh, I felt like there was a need. I'm like, hey, I'm just going to pull the trigger. So I booked the venue and then, and anybody who does a, an event knows this, you have a food and beverage minimum and you have to sell a certain amount of hotel rooms. Plus you pay for the speakers to come in plus, plus, plus. But once I signed the contract then I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? How am I going to pull this off? What was I thinking? Like, even though, I mean, if you came to the event or saw any of it online, it was amazing and it turned out amazing. But it, uh, that one I had major self-doubt until probably about 30 days before. And then I just released it and was like, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Um, most of the time though, Kelly, like self-doubt will come up in just little things of like, can I really do this? Or, uh, I mean, even this sounds, this is about as crazy as it sounds, but I have something in two weeks that I'm like, in my head, I'm battling of do I really want to do this? And it's something so minute and stupid. And I'm like, okay, yes, you just need to prepare. And so it comes down to there's self-doubt that always trickles in when it's out of your comfort zone for me that I haven't done something right. And, um, progress equals happiness for me. I'm sure it is for you too, of like doing something new, but that self-doubt does come in of like, okay, I'm doing something new. Can I let's go. And again, at least I put myself in the arena. It doesn't always work out perfectly, but at least I tried. So spring, what have you never told anybody? Oh, geez. Well, I'm going to tell your whole audience. Um, no, I'll keep it between you and I. I'll never tell anybody. I would, I promise like lips are sealed. And oh, um, I don't know. That would be a tough one. I feel like I'm such an open book. 
Um, hold on, hold on. You said you were open book. I asked you about five years old. You were like, that's so long ago, Kelly. That's so long ago. I don't remember. Well, Come on, girl. Made me realize is maybe I like need to bring out some of my more inner of my inner child, Kelly. That's uh, like Could that be. might be the reality of it. Like I'm, I'm like, dang, that, that's something I haven't thought about. Um, so tell me something that you've never told, and and I haven't told anyone on the podcast this. This sucks, and I'm going to tell you so you can tell me, right? So we'll we'll be equal. But we won't. You won't tell anyone that I told you this, right? I, w- I won't tell anybody. You promise promise. Okay. So most of the people know that, uh, well, they'll know if they're in high school with me, but I went to a a high school football game when I was in high school and I wore my uh, friend's sister's uh, sweat shorts at the time because I didn't have any clothes uh, to be able to go to the, to the, uh, the football game. So I wore the sweatshorts. They were white sweatshorts. No dude should ever wear white sweatshorts, by the way. They were above the knee too, but this was the time. I'm older than you too, Spring. So set the scene. So we're, I'm in the stands. My brother's playing. Everyone's laughing, whatever it is. I'm about uh, two-thirds of the way down the stands, okay? I stand up to cheer, hands in the air, right? My buddy does what you know he's about to do. He grabs the shorts and whap, and he does it, but he does it all of them, like everything. He gets draws and everything, and he yanks them down. And I don't know why to this day, but my natural response, Spring, with my hands up like this, was to turn around to him, which was two-thirds of the, the stands. And I yeah. was standing with my hand, and I was one of the only people standing up at the time. And I turned around and froze like, oh, my gosh. And then I grabbed my pants. But it was probably one of the most embarrassing things in my life, and I don't talk about it because I'm like, man, this is horrible. And that was the dumbest thing that I could have ever done. I love it. I top, don't top that, top that. But you got to tell me something. No one, you cannot. If I find another uh, this on another podcast, I will cancel you. <laughs> oh, Kelly. So what I, no one. What does no one know about Spring? So I don't know that nobody knows this because obviously there. But when I was in high school, so uh, I was uh, the sophomore. So I was a kind of a nerd in junior high. I used to race dirt bikes, and then um, in like ninth grade year. Uh, I hit puberty and I actually became like kind of cute. Right. But the summer between ninth grade and 10th grade is when like, okay, wow, actually spring like looks like a real human. And so going into sophomore year, I was excited and whatnot. So they signed us up for, uh, they had like that first, um, week of like homecoming. And I was like getting all the attention and in, in school, you know, that new sophomore girl, it was the cute new person for the week, you know? So they signed me up for jello wrestling in front of the whole entire school. And I just remember that morning was so cold. And here I am, jello wrestling these junior and senior girls. Like I look back on it, and I'm like, spring jello wrestling, the football team signed me up for that. I got my ass handed to me. Like I just remember like sliding in this jello and like it was horrible. So if we're gonna go high school days, that's probably one of those of like, what were you thinking? But I think because you think you're cute and young and cute, you know. So, so spring. What high school did you go to that they had Jello wrestling? That's the part that stuck in my head. I'm like, that your school allowed that. That that is like, I mean, most people would go to prison for that. Like teachers would go to prison if they had their high schoolers do Jello. Jello wrestling at Jordan High in Sandy, Utah, um, out on the football field, and everybody watching. I just remember walking through, and it was like so cold because you're like covered and it's like september october it was horrible but 
So, uh, Spring, I'm going to switch gears real quick. Give me the blind spots that people don't understand that are coming in the market that we're just about to go into. Ooh, there's so many. So, I mean, from a real estate professional, so there's been the last two years has been so insane. So, uh, on average, roughly about 5 million homes sell along the, the U S in the U S on an annual basis. And, um, the last two years we've sold 6.8 million and it's because there's been so many buyers that have come in with low interest rates. So they bought multiple homes, investment properties, taking the cash out of there or whatnot. And so home sales, uh, have declined with how quickly real estate, uh, interest rates have gone up. So two parts of what I'm going to say, one, as a real estate professional, the last two years have not been the real world and they haven't really necessarily had to work. So like, for example, you being in the hair world and stuff, it'd be like somebody just instantly walking into your salon and having a full built out clientele paying top dollar. Oh, I'm going to tip you three times as much, right? Like insane. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute, we're all not going to get our haircut COVID hit, right? 2020 or whatever. And so um, a real estate professional wise, they're just going to have to go back to the basics. Like they actually have to build a relationship. They have to invest in themselves, become the knowledge broker. Um, you are the product that somebody is paying for. Like you talked about um, your place in Utah. I mean, Maverick was the real deal. He's the one who helped you get your property, right? Like you probably wouldn't be per se in that house. Maybe you would, but he's the one who like helped you do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so the key to this is you have to become that person. And it just hasn't been that way the last two years. So I'll say that as a consumer, um, you know, rates are supposedly supposed to continue to go up um, through the end of this year. I'm not sure next year. Uh, I do believe homes still are going to sell. People have to move, make a move. There are going to be buyers that need to purchase and sellers that need to move. I would tell you, it's not a bad time to buy. You just need to, um, I actually think like in Utah, for example, uh, there's actually inventory. So get what you want, negotiate the price you want. Um, a seller just needs to know that you're not probably going to get full price in today's market, um, but we're still selling homes. I think that um, consumer wise, the next year is gonna be very interesting. If, if it were me, the plan that I'm doing right now is I'm going to find um, assumable mortgages. So anything that was FHA or VA, and Kelly, this would be something I'd advise you guys to look at. Um, you can assume their mortgage terms. So if somebody has like a two and a half percent interest rate, you can go and assume that. So if you're wanting to buy a rental property, as long as you have the credit, you can take that two and a half percent rental rate, I mean, interest rate, and then whatever price of today's market. So it's like a no brainer. Um, this is when the largest wealth opportunities come is during this time. So for you guys that are like making moves and wanting to build some wealth, the next 18 months are going to be an amazing time for anybody who's looking for that. So real estate is um, a place. I also tell you, uh, looking at deals where people will sell or finance people who need to move and they'll just and they'll carry the loan for you. Um, again, in investment properties, because people still need houses to live in. Um, so that's a long answer. I think real estate professionals need to, to uh, sharpen their scale, skills. They say they're gonna, we're going to lose 600 agents over the next year. Mm -hmm. 600,000. I'm sorry, 600,000. That's insane, right? 
Um, but honestly, they've probably already been out of the market. They probably haven't really been selling houses anyway. And so it's more or less, they're just getting them off their rosters. And then for consumers, I think it's going to be a great time, especially if you can get creative around financing options to take advantage of this upcoming market. Well, I think I think it's incredible too, Spring, because honestly, like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, and you're the example of that. And uh, I've watched you over the years, and I've got to watch you from while you didn't know I was watching. And you know, to be able to see the consistency that you have, it's not that flash in the pan kind of situation. It's like, no, you're going back to the basics. But I've watched you have those same basics the whole time. When it was good times, it was still relationship based yeah. and you were still, you know, like like you said, a knowledge broker, which I think is amazing. A side note on Maverick too, crazy thing. <clears throat> when he, when we went, they told us that, that we couldn't put money down, um, that it would only be a 100% refundable deposit, right? It was only $2,500. And right. so we did that. We, we said yes. Two days later, he called me because we were back in Vegas and he said, hey, I just want to let you know that somebody went to the uh, to the escrow company and tried to undercut you because we hadn't put the money down. We had we had said we were going to do it, but we hadn't done it. And I said, oh, cool. I said, I'll send you money right now. He said, don't worry. I actually put my own money down and just send me the check when you want. That's service. That's a crazy like. I mean, when I tell people that type of story, and for those of you out there listening, like, honestly, I mean, if you're in the real estate game, if you don't have Spring as a coach, you're, you're silly. Um, but, but also, too, um, you know, if you're in the real estate game and you just you want to watch, like, watch what Spring does. Because, and I'm not, I'm speaking from a, a friend who's seen her for years and years. She didn't consider me a friend, but I did for her. So uh, I, I'm actually a better person. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but um, also too, from a from a business perspective, I've been able to watch from that side too, and and then I got to experience it on a personal level, and it's just honestly, I, I've never seen anything like it. Spring. Yeah, thank you. Well, fun fact: so uh, you and Brooklyn reached out about Park City, and Park City is probably thirty minutes away. I mean, I am part of that MLS, but I am a believer of like you hire somebody that specializes in what they do, right? Like, um, and I. I was like, no, we need to hire you somebody who like knows that market in and out can give you the level of service. And so uh, we partnered you up with Maverick and Greg at the Utah Luxury Group. And so that's a message I think putting out there too. Like, could I have been like, hey, yeah, Kelly and Brooklyn, I'll go show you houses. Like, let's go find you something. But would you have had the experience you have? No. Would you have gotten probably the property like that? Probably not. Like, um, and it's and I'm one of the top agents in the country. It's just the fact that like that's the niche. So my point of this is, is if you're an agent, like find your trusted network that you can refer out your friends and family to that are those specialized people that you can. I have the confidence in Maverick to be like, Maverick's the expert for Park City. Go do your thing. You know, um, I think that makes it so much better. I see, so oftentimes I see these agents driving like two, three, four hours to sell a house. And I'm like, what do you even know about this market? You know, like, how can you even service? And I know some of them are just suburbs and it's fine, but there's other markets. So you're like, no, you really need to hire that market expert. So I'm glad you had a positive experience. Like it's something I take serious of having that trusted group of people to um, have relationships with that I can refer you out. So Here, here's a quick uh, question for you. And uh, the, the actionable part for me is I find that people who truly compliment other people 
have to have a level of security that people who don't compliment people don't have. Yeah. Where do you find that? Because you compliment people. Like you actually lift people up. When I watch your social media, I watch, you know, uh, and, and I hear about, like you're constantly building others. And that yeah. takes a crazy amount of confidence. How can a person develop that? Ooh, I am ridiculously confident. It's probably one of my best traits. Um, but I don't think the confidence comes from a cocky. It comes from that, I, again, I feel like I'm putting in the work. And um, the confidence comes from when you are putting in the work and you're doing, like, for me, my self-confidence comes with I do what I say I'm going to do. So what if I tell myself I'm going to do something, I make sure to do it. And, and so I don't overcommit either. I say no a lot. Mm -hmm. So you were laughing. You said, uh, hey, you, uh, you took a long time to get on this podcast. I was like, it didn't fit in my schedule because I say no all the time. Because if me, I, I know. I I'm know. just joking. Because if I overcommit, then I, um, I just will mind off me, right? And yeah. so um, I say no a lot. I'm ridiculously confident because I invest in myself a lot, Kelly. And I, um, I'm putting in the work. I also will say like, it doesn't serve any good to, um, to minimize somebody else. Like, mm. I mean, I might not agree with somebody, but I will agree in the fact that at least have an opinion or at least they're putting in the work, or at least they're putting themselves out there. Or like, it doesn't have to be my life that I'm living. That's that's their choice. I'm not going to, um, it doesn't have to hang out with them, but I'm not going to judge them for that, right? Um, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, I don't remember who it was or whatnot, but they had mentioned, they said, you know, one of the problems right now with society is we're getting so into like, we won't, um, we won't associate, I think it was Ed Milet actually was saying this, that one of the issues is we won't associate with people who are not like us. Like we almost take it offensive that they have a different view of opinion. And I'm like, he's so right. So right that like, here we are always like, oh, I, I, I don't agree with that person. So we can't be friends. And I'm more or less like, I'm actually love that you have an opinion. I don't have to agree with you and I don't have to hang out with you, but I can value and appreciate you for what that is. So to answer your question, I'm just, anybody who's willing to do, put themselves out there and try, I'm going to cheer you on because it's easy to sit on the sidelines, whatever that is. Like it could be the smallest thing, but if you're willing to do it, I'm going to cheer you on on it. Well, Spring, you're, you're, you're incredible. You're better than advertised. Um, I, I want to have you on the podcast more, although I'll probably have to schedule in 2025. Um, but I'm okay. I'm okay with that because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. There was actually a time where I actually had to uh, reschedule for you. So I'm giving you a hard time, but it was, it was uh, a lot. Well, I mean, 5% my fault. Um, <laughs> so I started the podcast because of my kids, Maddox and McKenna. You've met them both. Yeah. Maddox is 11 years old, absolute superhero. Um, just got all his dreadies done uh, in in Utah. He, he's such a gangster. And then, wanna, is it on social somewhere? I want to pull it up. I don't know if we've taken pictures of it yet, um, okay. but he is just. I mean, this kid is joy. That's. I mean, joy for me. There's a difference between joy and and happiness, and and um, it's actually scientifically proven too. I didn't know that it was scientifically proven because I'm not that smart, um, but I hang around with really smart people, and I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. So. Um, <laughs> 
joy and happiness, uh, my, my definition of it always was joy was uh, falling in love with your current circumstance, allowing magic to happen. Happiness was circumstantial. So if you're seeking happiness, which the world tells us to, then you're constantly going from goal to goal, mission to mission, task to task. But I've never seen a task or a goal fulfill somebody. And I've always seen a goal lead to another goal. Whereas if a person is just ha is, is joyous in, and fall in love with their current circumstances, then that is a choice. And when I, when I sat down, the scientific part of it is the limbic part of the brain, which is uh, towards the back edge. The limbic is uh, joy and the, the frontal lobe is uh, circumstantial, which is the fight or flight. And it uh, deals with things that happen. That's, hap that's where happiness comes from. That's what fires in the brain. And I, it was interesting to be able to find that out. But the reason why I'm saying it is because my son is a joy guy, like no matter what. We went to Fresno. Like my, my daughter got a chance to go to StrangerCon in New Jersey, right, with my wife, with Brooklyn. Fly yeah. across the country, go meet uh, like all the Stranger Things people she had. You know, she got to meet them all, meet, greet, all the stuff. My son got to go to Fresno with me. Who do you think was happier? Him. He was so happy. He's like, Dad, we're going to Fresno. He got to the to the airport. He's like, Daddy, we're going through security. And I was like, dude, I got through security. But that's who he is. So that's Maddox. McKenna, on the other hand, she's in the performing arts now. She's found her thing. She is hilarious. She's sarcastic. She's got a great personality, great uh, human being. And, and her heart is just through the roof. I started the podcast because of those two individuals. And I wanted to take iconic people like yourself. And you'll be like, I'm not an icon. Yes, you are. I take iconic people like yourself and I show my kids that you're not an idol, that you're not a superhero, that you're just a human being with an incredible uh, attitude and phenomenal work ethic. So what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could say both their names, it would be awesome. Yes. So Maddox and McKenna, first of all, I love how much you love them. Like, I love that you are just like that strong and same with Brooklyn, like to have parents that just uh, speak so much joy and they and you talking about like their joy and their happiness and everything comes from their environment, right? Like they are you guys. So I would look at them and be like, wow, this is a reflection of who you are. So that being said, um, I'm a believer, uh, you can have anything, absolutely anything anything that you want. And I know people say that, but it's true. I mean, we have now at like our fingertips more information than the president of the United States had like eight years ago. So the resources and the relationships and whatnot is a hundred percent out there. You just have to have the want and the grit to not stop trying. Like it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun, but you can make it fun. Like the journey can be fun. I mean, I would look at you guys and like, you've had a heck of a journey and you're having a blast and it's continuing to grow right into whatever you want it to be. And so advice for kids, I would just say to both of them, like, don't lose your joy. Um, like if you can keep the joy for the rest of your life, you're going to be so incredibly happy and, um, keep the drive and the sarcasm and the spunk. And then just know that workout ethic outperforms everything and you can have anything you want. You can always, if you have the grit, the world is your oyster. Well, and Maddox and McKenna, you are going to hang out with Auntie Spring and you're going to do stuff that means nothing. You're not going to work out. You're not going to eat kale and uh, stuff. You're going to take her to Arctic Circle. And yes. you are going to go and play on the gym and you're going to take her phone and throw it away. And then you're going to go oh, yes. get it. Yes. 
we're gonna we're gonna hang out. We're gonna go boating. We're gonna go mountain biking. <laughs> Those are the things I like to do. We can eat ice cream if you want. Um, I actually eat a lot. Just so you know, and um, life is meant to have fun. And I have really cute kids too that um, they would love to hang out. Do you remember when you cut Jackson's hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. It was, that was the cutest he ever was in hair. I'll text you a picture after this of his hair now. He's a 17-year-old with crazy hair. and Oh, my gosh. He's cute. But well, yeah. I, 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 I have to compliment you, uh, Spring. And it's it's uh, you you are an incredible, incredible human being. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to watch a journey, you know, and, and to be able to see it and it's just, uh, you know, kind of unfolding. Um, I am going to ask for a favor. Um, I'm going to ask that you actually talk to me at a party at Sadie's house, uh, from now on. Um, cause you generally don't No, generally you don't like you're there and you know what I mean? Like I, I have to run into your production manager and then get through your manager and then your 17 coaches. And then I'm like, can, can spring play? And I'm just kidding with you. Um, but you're going to have to come to the jorts party. Uh, we're going to be there in, in July. Um, okay, let's do uh, it. Uh, but I, I would honestly, I'd love to have you on the uh, show more because I think that there's so many people, um, there's so many people including, I mean, this is more selfish, but uh, that, that are really, really, really impacted by what it is that you do and whether it be them watching you from a distance, they get a chance to be able to, if you're lucky enough to get you up close, um, it's, it's incredible. And you really, really are, you're not that talking head that's like, you can do anything, I'm gonna motivate you. And the, but you're the person who's doing it and your actions are shouting to the world that anything is possible yeah. and that, that truly it's your choice in life, you know? What you do in the dark shines in the light. <laughs> what people don't see is the uh, the late nights or the early mornings, but it's all out of choice. So, um, yeah, I thank you for having me today. And I do want to do your women's event. So um, send me the info. I'll do that. I'll do that. Uh, now's the time. Click the links. Check out all the sponsors. You guys all know what you need to do. I want to thank every single person for listening, for helping us to become in the top 1% of all podcasts uh, globally. And this has been not because of paid promotion. It hasn't been. I have not paid for anything. And I get ads every single day. People asking me, can I promote for you? Can I get you more subscribers? Do all these things. I have not paid one cent for promotion. It's all been because of organic listening, just like you are watching, just like you. And I want to thank every single one of you because it has been a dream like it has been one of those things and it's been the coolest project that i've ever done in my life and uh you know i want to i want to thank you so click the links and also to subscribe to the youtube channel because my son thinks i'm cooler if i have more subs so if you can do that it would be awesome click the link because 80 i found out this spring this is crazy 85 percent of the people who watch us on youtube are not subscribers and so that was a thing. So honestly, just click the button. You know what to do. Do that. Spring, you're amazing, and you're officially off the hot seat.